continue our act of worship. I'm going to read our scripture over to over you. Let's soak, let it dwell into your being. Galatians 5:13. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one commandment. Love your neighbour as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out, or you will be destroyed by each other. So I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. You are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discourse, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissension, fractions and envy drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. This is the word of the Lord. Heavenly Father, I thank you for Andy and the word that he's prepared for us this evening. May it seep into our hearts. In your name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Rob. Thank you, band. That was wonderful. Great to sing one or two songs I haven't heard for a little while. Just a real gift. Thank you, guys. So if you've got um, paper Bibles, some of us still use paper for something. If you've got paper Bibles, do open them up at Galatians 5. If you've got your phones, you might want to switch on to that. Galatians 5. And um, we're continuing our series on life in the Spirit. And um, just to remind us that the heart of Paul's letter to the Christians in Galatia is his plea with them. You know, it's for freedom that Christ has set you free. No longer be a slave to, uh, no longer allow yourselves to be bound to slavery. So um, we can have that first slide up, please, Tom. And... um, Last week, Rob spoke about the fruit of the Spirit. Um, If we can have the second slide, please, Tom. And about um, staying fruity and salty. And a question for us is really, okay, how do we allow this beautiful fruit of the Spirit, the love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, how can that take root in our lives? How can that take root in our life together as a church community? And um, so 
that's what we're going to be looking at um, this evening and next week. Next week, Kate is going to be speaking about keeping in step with the Spirit. And this evening, I've been given the great verse. Uh, if we can have the, the, the next slide up, please, Tom. Those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. So that's what we're going to be focusing on this evening. And the way the message translates this, it's not a, the message never aims to be a, a purely accurate translation. It's more a kind of representation. The way it's expressed here, amongst those who belong to Christ, everything connected with getting our own way and mindlessly responding to what everyone else calls necessities is killed off for good, crucified. So we're going to be thinking, what is Paul saying to us here? What does it mean for our passions and our desires to be crucified? What does that mean for you and me in 21st century Paul? And I want to start, first of all, by us being really clear about what it doesn't mean. What Paul is not saying. Because I think this is the sort of verse we can misunderstand and it can lead actually to some uh, really distorted thinking and distorted behavior. Paul is not saying be hard on yourself because you are cherished. Yes, we need to be disciplined but he's not saying be hard on yourself and he's especially not saying be hard on your body. He, he's not advocating that. Now, who here has seen the film uh, The Da Vinci Code? Have, have a number of you seen that? Yeah, um, or read the book? Well, in, in the book and in the film, there's um, a monk, and the monk has a distorted view about what it means to crucify his passions and desires. And you might remember, if, if you've seen it, that he does quite a lot of self-flagellation. So he whips himself in a very masochistic and awful way. And Paul is not saying this at all. That's not in line with what Paul is advocating. And kind of that has been misused um, a, a number of times throughout Christian history, really sadly. There's a book that's been released recently called Bleeding for Jesus, which is... Again, it's a, it's a horrific representation of when people have misunderstood what Paul is saying here. So it's not saying be hard on yourself, especially on your body. Paul is also not saying with this, just say no to sin. He's not being simplistic like that. And Paul isn't saying a third thing, which I just need to check my notes about. Paul, is, Paul also is not saying... Simply be passive and do nothing. Because actually, God has created you and me to be partners with him. And, and he says, we work together, we work in partnership. So it's not about you just kind of saying, que sera, sera, and God will, do, God will do all the work. But it's actually about partnership. So those three things, please hold that in your mind. It's so important we don't misunderstand what Paul is saying here. So the word crucify is a very graphic, it's a, 
You know, I think Paul couldn't have chosen a, a more graphic term than that. But he's using it for an important reason. And so we need to understand what he is really saying. And so what he's saying, first of all, to us is know that you belong. Know that you belong. Those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. He's saying, you know, my brothers and sisters, know you belong to Jesus and know you belong to one another. And that's your status. That's your identity. And it's not something that you have had to strive to earn. It's been given to you as a gift. Your belonging. It's what Jesus has done and you've received it as a gift. You've received the extraordinary gift that Jesus has provided for us through his death on the cross and his resurrection. So know that you belong. And there's a wonderful um, creed of the beloved. If we can have it up now, please, Tom, the next slide. This is something that I think I've mentioned in the morning services before. Something that Fee and I sometimes say um, as part of our quiet times in the morning. We don't say it every morning, but there, there are times when we do. And it's a great reminder that we are the Lord's beloved, that we belong to him. So um, with, for those of you whose eyesight is good enough to read it, could you, could you read it with me? So Creed of the Beloved, I'm not what I do, I'm not what I have, I'm not what people say about me. I am the beloved of God. It's who I am. No one can take it from me. I don't have to worry. I don't have to hurry. I can trust my friend Jesus and share his love with the world. Paul is saying, you belong. My dear sisters and brothers, hold that deeply. And he's saying, you belong, and he's saying, there's a bit of work we need to do together. Because to crucify the passions and desires within you, he's saying, actually, you need to dismantle some of the idols that you've created. Interesting, Damien, in Leading Us in the Worship, referred to idols in, in your intro, which was wonderful. Those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Actually, the Greek word Paul uses here, he uses really carefully, it means over-desires. Because God gives us all very natural desires. To desire something is really healthy. To have passion for good things is a wonderful, is a wonderful thing. God loves it when we're passionate about things that are really life-giving. He loves it. And he doesn't want us to deny ourselves those things. But what he is talking about is there are some things that actually begin to create an unhealthy appetite within us. And this is the, the Greek word he uses here, which means over-desires. So, for instance, actually, sorry, Tom, if we can go back to the PowerPoint. So, for instance, it, um, the next slide, it, it could well be that, you know, in a sense, your eyes just light up the more and more pies you see in front of you. And you just think, do you know what? I could, I could eat all evening. 
And you know that a pie or a couple of pies is probably quite good for you. It's all right. But by the time you get to the sixth or seventh, it isn't so good for you. And in terms of what we aspire to as well, do you know, it's wonderful to be able to enjoy leisure. But the danger is, if you just think, I can't be satisfied until I have the next sun seeker, then that's probably not Christ's best intention for you. Because he knows, actually, you could be blessing others with what you're using to just acquire the next thing, the next level up. And that's the over-desires that he's talking about. And in Romans 6, Paul says this, In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, so that you obey its evil desires. What he's saying is, make an internal decision that at the motivational level of what's driving you towards these over-desires, you can, you can make that decision to actually count yourself dead to that and kind of say, do you know what? Bring it across my path as many sun seekers as you like and I don't need to get drawn in that direction because God wants to use my life as a greater blessing than that. God has life-giving purposes for me and he wants me to be a blessing to others. So we don't need to let sin, we don't need to let greed, lust, gluttony, jealousy, envy, whatever it might be, they don't need, as it were, to um, become idols in our lives. Now it's easy to say that, isn't it? And at times we're not always aware when we're beginning to create some of these idols. I just want you to think just for a moment, what are some of the idols that need identifying and dismantling in your life? Just think about that for 30 seconds or a minute or something. What are some of the idols it might be comfort. And that's just become such a big idol for you. It might be securing the biggest house you possibly can. It might be that you realize food or drink has just become a little bit too much of an idol. It's a good gift from the Lord, but it's just, it, it's, it's gaining too, too much of an important place in your life. What idols need identifying and dismantling in your life? Because that's what Paul's talking about here. Because anything that replaces the Lord Jesus at the heart of our life needs to be dismantled. So Paul is challenging us in quite a hard way here. And at times you might think, yeah, I, I've, I've made progress in that area, but I keep tripping up in this area. And if you do, can I say you're in really good company? You're in amazing company. 
And one of the lovely things is we're going to come and receive communion this evening, and we're going to receive tokens of his grace. He knows how human we are. But he does say, you can, look to, you can keep looking to a day when actually you can live with greater freedom because that's what he wants for us. And a greater freedom that will mean that we individually are not driven by these passions and over-desires as we might feel we are now. And because of that, we can love one another better. We can be a greater blessing across, the, across our community. But as we journey towards that, two, two comments in closing. And the first is this. We can have the next slide up, please, Tom. The first is don't lose heart. Now, if you were going to cycle this, how would you feel? This is a leg on the Tour de France. And kind of, when I first saw it on Twitter, I thought, oh, that would be fantastic. I'd love to have a go at that. And then about 10 minutes later, I thought, Andy, who are you kidding? That would be an absolute killer. It would be a real killer. But the danger is, I think sometimes, in our battle with our passions and over-desires, we can kind of look at them a bit like this leg, and we can think, wow, how, how are we going to make progress? How are we going to overcome that? But do you know where sin abounds, grace abounds more freely? And actually, Jesus is in the business of continuing to transform us. If we've come to Christ, we're walking closely with Christ. If we're saying, Lord, fill me daily with your spirit, we're encouraging one another, if we're in close fellowship with one another, we are being transformed. Kind of, you might think I'm at the, the bottom of those zigzags. No, you're not. You're traveling far higher than that. Yeah, there's more to go. But the Lord is cheering you on. The Spirit is cycling alongside you and is saying, don't lose heart. If we can have the next slide up, please, Tom. This is what Paul says to the Christians in Corinth. And we all with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory. We are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory. Actually, some versions have from one degree of glory to another which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. So don't lose heart. Don't let negative self-talk seep in. Don't let the evil one say to you, I knew you were going to trip up again. You always do. Forget that. Don't lose heart. Press on. No, the Lord's grace is always there for you. And the Spirit is traveling with you, and the Spirit is transforming you. So don't lose heart. And then finally, run freely. Run free. Because this is at the heart of what Paul is saying to the church in Galatia. You are running a good race until these Judaizers came down from Jerusalem and began to sow doubts in your head and began to tell you that you needed to obey legal requirements you don't need to obey. You are running a good race. Keep running freely. On Wednesday, I, I was playing in a, um, a clergy golf tournament thing up in um, just north of Birmingham. And I was playing um, 
in a, in a four ball. And one, one of the other players in that four ball had been a very good athlete. He'd represent, represented Great Britain in, in the uh, 400 meters hurdles. So very, really difficult event. And I was chatting to him and, and he was telling me about people his run with people like Roger Black, Chris Akabusi, people like that. And he was saying the interesting thing is, Andy, these guys have exceptional natural ability, but what is more striking is how hard they train. How hard they train in order to perform at that level. And I'm sorry, Paul, um, Tom, if we go back to that slide, the one before that, thank you. Paul says, I discipline my body like an athlete, train it to do what it should. And actually, as we say, Lord, I want to grow in that freedom. I don't want these passions and over-desires to rule in my life. I want to walk with greater freedom. The Lord says, hey, let's work together. And you can be a great spiritual athlete as you seek to do that. So in closing, if we can have that final slide, Tom. You, my sisters and brothers, were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. Let's just be quiet for a few moments. The band is going to come up. And then we'll move into communion. Just allow the Lord to seal in your heart and mind what he's been wanting to highlight for you.